This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cammy here. I'm still in Canada. I- I- I'm working. I-, I-, I couldn't be here. So anyway, this is an episode of the show with Ty LeClaire, comedian, writer, and also person from Canada with other side of I'm in Vancouver. Anyway, bye. Enjoy this re-release of this excellent chat with Ty LeClaire. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still I always have guests introduce themselves. Will you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Ty LeClaire. I'm a comedian, actor, and writer. I'm currently writing on uh, the upcoming Peacock show, Rutherford Falls, created by Mike Schur, uh, Sierra Ornelas, and Ed Helms, who's also starring. Um, you know, I, little things about me. I'm not crazy about rice, and I like cloudy weather. Wow, you're not crazy about rice? No. Um, have you <laughs> have you tried every type? I and have of not, them, to be is honest. there one? Is there one that like ekes ekes in, or is it just like like you're at a restaurant, rice <laughs> yeah. comes? Do you just you eat around it, or I gotta know the extent? Of course, rice is the vessel for the flavor that is around it. Le <gasps> um, gas. <laughs> Only because I'm just gonna say I my uh, my girlfriend is really into rice and she's mm-hmm. gonna be pretty upset to hear this. I'm you know sorry. she's a listener sorry. of the I, show, <laughs> and obviously everybody has to be the same. You know, yes, so yes. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we'll move away from that topic, which we could controversial. Exhaust. We can come back. We can yeah, come we back. can go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So you said you're uh, you're in Los Angeles now. Um, I'm actually in New York. Oh, you're in New York. I am in New York. Well, I I was saying, uh, to the lovely producer, recorder, audio help. Uh, basically, that I started a job in LA. This wonderful, amazing job. My first like official, real paid comedy job, um, and it's truly been like semester at sea. I am having just like so much fun. Corona happened halfway through. Uh, production uh, to the writing schedule. So we basically stopped meeting in person entirely. Offices shut down. And in one moment, I was like, let me just bunker down in New York at my apartment with my fiance and our cat and see how it goes. And what I thought would be two weeks is now seven weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I still have like, I had a rental car parked in a rental parking lot out in LA and I had uh, my, I'm still paying for my sublet out there. Um, so it's Wait, been like, has this been, yeah. has this rental car situation been addressed? It has been taken care of. Oh my God. Very much. It was one of the things, it was just like a moment of like the scariness that was Corona was happening. I straight up like hard accident LA just to come here as quickly as I could. And by the time, like a week later, I was like, oh, I'm responsible for this expensive machine 
on wheels that I need to eventually return. So Wait, luckily, I want to pause you for a second. I want to pause. Yeah. I, I feel like there needs to be. I need. To, okay, I need like a few more details. All right. So you usually live in New York. Yes. And you took this job, and you were living mm-hmm. out here in like short term rental or something sublet, like you said. Correct. And your fiance was with you, or were you both My, on opposite sides of the country when this all went down? We were on opposite sides of the country. Uh, the gist was we basically were getting married this year and we're super excited. Uh, it's in the fall, fingers crossed, things get better by then. Um, but with everything in New York, our lives are in New York and all that, like, let's finish out this year in New York and then make our way to California next year if, fingers crossed, the show I'm on gets picked up for another season. Got it. Um, I mean, I think I was asking that yeah. question because I was trying to understand the, um, like, the impetus to travel once things got wild versus like staying here. And I just, uh-huh. just because I feel like, uh, you know, for me, it was, there was no question about whether or not Los Angeles was the place I was staying during this time. Yeah. I mean, I have a family elsewhere, but all of my friends and resources and doctors and every, you know, is here. So for you, what was the, was it just wanting to be closer to f- your fiance? Like what made, what was, what mm-hmm. made you make the decision to go back to New York? at the beginning of all this, whenever this happened, seven weeks ago. Yeah, like yeah. Um, it, it definitely my fiancé being here, wanted to be with him, uh, wanted to be in our own home. Because, like, being in a rental is great, but I was also with roommates that I just don't, I don't really know that well in a space that I just don't really know that well. So, yeah, uh, yeah I just got out here sort of as quickly as I could. And the flight back, luckily, I courted things. So, like, I had a friend drive me to the airport who I was with that day. And then I had a friend pick me up back in New York. So I wasn't taking cabs. I know people at the time were like, should we take cabs or not take cabs? Because no one knows how this thing is spreading right now. Um, yeah, and we've just been locked down here ever since. That sounds very stressful. That whole yeah. situation sounds very stressful. And then also just, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, a rental car. <laughs> so where was <laughs> it parked? <laughs> it was in the parking lot behind the apartment I was subletting. So it was like oh, an open air. My God. Because you thought, I'm going to come back? Yeah. I, I, I got it. As, I, I was like, you know what? Two weeks, maybe three weeks. Um, I already paid for the thing as to get like a long term rental because I looked into it. It was such an odd, it's like six months. Do I get a, do I buy a car and then get insurance? And then it's like, is it worth the cost of getting a, a new car? I don't know. Um, so I left it and I left LA. And then remembered about it a week later. Um, very fortunately, I do have some lifelong friends who live in LA now. And I had this whole coordinated effort one day where the roommate who lives at the sublet basically dropped off a key outside where they wouldn't, you know, come into the six feet distance. Um, my friend then picked up the key, brought the car back. Her boyfriend picked her up. It was a fully coordinated event to which I Venmoed everyone everything I could (laughs) because it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Right. I mean, being contracted for a job across the country at a time at that moment that, yeah, that this is just that this is a a wild (laughs) aside. I'm really glad that you're uh, safe and, and where you want to be in that. Thank you. um, It was definitely the right decision. I feel very good here. Um, okay. Wow. Whew. So prior to New York, where are you from? 
Oh, so, uh, yeah, I'm from this little reservation called Kahnawake. It's uh, south of Montreal, but our tribe is on both sides of the border. So we're neither Canadian nor American, but we're kind of both at the same time. Uh, so I grew up there on a small, relatively small reservation. Wow. I don't um, actually know anything about that. Like, like specifically yeah. the, so, um, it, does it does it cross the border or are there parts of the reservation on both sides? Like, is it is it it's just both. go straight through? It's both. We have uh, the reservation my dad works at. It's called Okazasne. Half the res is literally in Canada. The other half is in the States. And the only way you could tell it apart is by the license plates on the cars. It's so, like one will have like Ontario plates and the other will have New York State plates. Is there a border? Uh, like, like, is not there... in the town. Wow. But yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting upbringing. Um, and so if that is true, then if you're, if, if folks are neither Canadian nor American, do you, do you have citizen, citizenship in either place oh, or in both places? Absolutely. How does that work? It works like that. Well, basically the whole, I say not American, not Canadian is more so the spirit of us recognizing our tribes first. Yeah. Um, but I was technically born in a Canadian hospital. I do have a Canadian passport. Um, but because of the J Treaty of who knows what year, Native Americans born in Canada with my region have the right to live working in the States because, you know, a border came through us. I don't know. I mean, I like, <laughs> I, I truly, this is some of the, fir- I mean, this is some of the first time I'm actually hearing about this. I, I, yeah. All right. So when I was in college, I, um, I mean, for good or for bad, this is just a true experience that I had. I was I mm-hmm. was raised super religious and very Catholic. So mm-hmm. part of the type of Catholicism that I was connected to was this, what at the time was pitched to me as like direct action social justice work, which meant mm-hmm. like on the ground, uh, working with folks mm-hmm. for justice, but like actually looks a lot more like, you know, I was a teenager when I was doing most of this stuff. So like low skills in terms of being able to actually help anybody, you know, sort Mm -hmm. of arriving with my body to be like, I'm, you know, I'm here to listen and what do you need? And then most of the service providers that we were working with were Mm -hmm. religious, religiously affiliated. So like, that is one thing that is very wild that I don't think we talk about very much Um, worldwide. Mm -hmm. How many, um, NGOs, how many non-governmental organizations that do re- direct relief work are like funded and then also um, accountable to the Catholic Church, which is which makes mm-hmm. things very fucked up. Like for instance, that's how you get a an AIDS crisis in in, in sub-Saharan Africa where the relief mm-hmm. workers are not necessarily passing out condoms because the Pope, mm-hmm. you know, says like. Is there anything else you can do besides condoms? And you're like, condoms are pretty much the most helpful thing, you know? And then we're like, well, still, um, you know, so I say all of this to say um, one of the things I did was go to the Navajo Nation and spend time mm-hmm. on that reservation. It's the only time I've ever been on a reservation. In mm-hmm. the U.S., it's the largest one. Yeah. And um, for me, I mean, I've... My other my other experience with it would honestly be going to like casinos to do stand up shows. Um, yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's truly like each reservation is different and each reservation is unique. Each tribe is unique. Each nation is unique. 
Um, and it's like, there's the, there's the cliques. There's the cliques. As, it's like small town cliques. You got like the Catholics. You got like the traditionalists. You got the jocks. You got the goths. You got the freaks. Um, <laughs> which I was proudly in that group. Um, yeah, so it, it's, it's interesting to hear about um, that sort of outreach because... It's sort of like, unfortunately, I, I, I see it more in the lens of just like modern day colonialism. Absolutely. Where nothing, nothing against, of course, people choosing a religion of their own. And I know there are plenty of Catholic Native Americans and that is, there's nothing wrong with that, of course. Um, it's just, it's, it's crazy how it's been repackaged a little bit. Not a little bit, a lot of it. I mean, also, I don't know if I would even say it's been repackaged. I think that has been, you know, the the church that specifically the Catholic Mm -hmm. Church has been has done such an amazing job for its entire history of couching direct services like like that. There's um, things are conditional. You know, mm-hmm. and so when you put conditions on a culture that you are essentially invading, you know, and then stealing the yeah. best land, but then to also get the resources back that you've just taken, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, this is true in so many places that like, uh, like in Mexico, you know, where like an indigenous building would be taken over by the church, they put like a cross on it. And then like, that's yeah. actually just a Catholic church now. And so I, <laughs> I do see this that that is when I look back at that time in my life mm-hmm. that is what I think I was participating in um I like I, yeah. that's what I call it too so we're yeah. on the same same page. Uh, page about this yeah and it, it, it's it's hard because it's like you can only go as and do and recognize the things that you know and you're taught and when you're in like a smaller space like that it's it's all you know so like how could this thing be wrong um yeah it's really uh it's complicated yeah it is i mean also you know again it's like the services it wasn't like hey be catholic it was like hey Mm -hmm. do you want um like Mm -hmm. uh antiretroviral drugs to treat hiv and aids because that was Mm -hmm. one place that i went and the navajo nation was a yeah like a catholic affiliated yeah uh, HIV, HIV AIDS clinic. So it's like the, it's a uh, mind blowingly <laughs> complex. There's things wrapped in things that, that, but I, anyway, I say all this to say like, uh, I am glad that I had that experience, even mm-hmm. though like I would not do it again. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm just glad I sort of know anything about this. And, you know, you growing yeah. up there, like I'm sure you were seeing white people come in. <laughs> Did you ever see this thing uh, that I'm talking about? Like this thing I'm specifically oh, no, describing? I know exactly what you're talking about, but uh, my res was just a little bit different because we were so close to a city. Like we were like you could see downtown Montreal from our reservation. Oh. We're, we're much more like uh, with like ten thousand people, which is relatively large for a reservation of that size in that region, um, and we're fairly like. Not to say that there are bad things as well, but we are fairly... I always thought it was just like the brown suburbs. Um, <laughs> and I just yeah. happened to grow up in this brown suburb where everything <laughs> was just like like breakfast club with like the native tint over it. Can I ask you a question then about that? 
Is it, yeah. is the influence, is the local influence outside of the res mm-hmm. French? Like, like, did you grow up, did you grow up speaking, what languages did you grow up speaking? Yeah, uh, I grew up speaking English. Um, our, our reservation is very Americanized in the sense that, like, a lot of people just happen to work in the States. We're so close to the States. Um, it just happened to be the, the, the way we went, essentially. Plus, there was, um, in 1990, the Oka crisis uh, outside of our reservation and uh, our neighboring reservations that basically it heated up race tensions for my entire life, for all that I know. So we very much did not get along with our French neighbors. I don't think I know this crisis. And I like, yeah. what a humiliation this is. Oh, to, it's but I don't crazy. know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's, um, there tends to be a, a lot of stories similar in these other regions as well. But basically what happened with us was this golf company was trying to essentially extend their golf course over a graveyard. And that's how it all started. And good um, where it happened, they were like, absolutely not. Tensions rose, tensions rose, tensions rose. Um, and it basically became a standoff. And then our reservation coincided and helped. By helping them, we uh, basically implemented a blockade and so, sorry, I'm like trying to figure out my words a little bit better, but the, my reservation You're doing a sits, great job. You're doing it. <laughs> you're, I mean, also at any time you can tell me you don't want to give me a history lesson, but, but uh, you're doing a great job. <laughs> I'm going to try, I'm going to try this one pretty well. Um, which is because our, our reservation sits in a central point for transit in Montreal. So we have the major train bridge goes through our town, the major highway goes through our town, a major bridge goes through our town. So in an, uh, in a way of protesting with them, we just blocked it up. And we blocked up for over the summer. And at one point, there was a moment where the town decided to basically remove all of the women, children, elders, whoever wanted to leave at the time to leave. And they went over the bridge, but the police on the other side stopped people that were leaving the reservation enough time to build a mob on the other side. So when they did let the cars go through, they started throwing rocks at all the cars. And these are old people. They're kids. They're like mothers. Um, One person did die that day. Um, Yeah. And that summer, I was a baby. I was an infant. But I'm told all these stories through my parents. Um, And that's sort of the culmination of where I grew up. And my immediate uh, worldview, essentially, mm-hmm. to everything around me. And that's that. Yeah. And I that's... urge, please look into it if you want to look into it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, wow. I mean, the reason I ask all the, maybe for also for some listeners that don't know yeah. why I was asking the, even the language question is because, like, this is, this is already so multi-layered just based on. No, so, so like, uh, like obviously, uh, reservation land, you know, mm-hmm. complex and fraught to begin with mm-hmm. because of, well, I don't know, because, uh, yeah, but yeah. then adding to that, the stuff that you're talking about, about it, about the reservation, uh, crossing borders and being essentially within two countries, but then the specificity of the part of Canada being mm-hmm. around Montreal, because, 
Montreal also is its own like fucked up thing compared to yeah. much of the rest of Canada because it is like very French. Like not like, you know, I remember the first time I went there just to perform thinking that like mm-hmm. I had taken high school French and was like, I'm going to be fine. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's like, no, it's like French. It's like not like, it's like French, French. Um, and so I'm just imagining, French, yeah. you know, the many, because there's also tension there just between, like, mm-hmm. like just between uh, this white Canadian and this white Canadian who mm-hmm. one is a Francophone, one is an Anglophone. Like, so like yep. there's already, it's like tensions on top of tensions on top of border tension on top of like indigenous <laughs> people tension. Like there's just a lot of, there's a lot of layers in this tale you're telling me. A lot, a lot of tension. A lot of yeah, tension. tension. <laughs> <laughs> Do your folks uh, still so live there? I, oh, go ahead. What were you sorry? saying? I was going to ask okay, if your so folks gonna... still live there. But, oh yeah, my parents do still live there. Um, love my bitch. My siblings are there. Uh, nieces and nephews. Um, we go up there for powwow every year. Go up for Christmas. Um, it's a six-hour drive from here, which I'm like, six hours, that's a short drive. Um, my fiancé disagrees with me on that. <laughs> but That is a, you yeah, know so what? That, I'm on your side, <laughs> to be honest. But also, like, cheers to, you know, everybody can feel sp- <laughs> feel how they want about space and time, but... That's it. That's it. I agree. Um, but yeah, so that that's short story slash long story of where I'm from. Uh, but I have been in New York for 11, 11 years now. So when did you, you move to New York after? Like what, like what part of your, did you go to, did you, did you attend college? Yeah, I actually, did I you- attended college in Montreal. Then when I wrap that up, I mean, New York was always kind of the goal. New York was always kind of the place. I knew I wanted to do something in New York. Um, made my way down, and I actually studied at Parsons uh, School of Design. And because I just wanted to work in a visual field in somehow, some sort of visual medium. Um, yeah, I did three years there, and it was phenomenal. I was so thankful I was able to transfer credits because I saved mm. a bunch of money. Um <laughs> You mean you transferred? Co- so you, you transferred credits from uh, where you'd gone to school in Montreal? Yeah, yeah. Because um, like my tuition in Canada was like three thousand a semester. Um, yeah, congrats. Which is to you and Canada. Uh, congrats. Hey, I made the mistake of coming back <laughs> here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, since then, I had like I worked in fashion weirdly for a while. Um, I literally up until last year, I was, uh, the art director at J crew. Um, what? First of all, yeah. I just have two things to say. I don't think it's weirdly <laughs> that you worked in fashion. I see your glasses and your well-fitting denim jacket. You look great. Um, but what are you saying? You, until last year, you were the art director at J crew. The, Not the I was, I was oh, an and, art director. And yes. well, what if you were the, what if I just give you, <laughs> what if I was the, I mean, I would, uh, upset a couple of people, but Mo- the, one thing that's funny about this is, you know, most people, when the, the reason I'm responding with like such, um, amazement is because most people, when they're like, yeah, I just got my first full-time comedy job. It's like, what were you doing right before that? It's like sandwich making. You know what I mean? Like, it's never, yeah. it's never like <laughs> art director at J crew. Like that's, that is the, it's not, <laughs> It's only an unusual path in that you seem to have had a functional career prior to this. Um, I fully had a full career before I came into this. Um, but that's not to say I was doing comedy one or another since probably 2014, doing the day job and then doing comedy at night. Um, I was lucky enough to get in the house team at UCB, uh, RIP UCB New York. 
yeah, so it was sort of like I kept planting the seeds of the comedy stuff, doing stand-up, doing characters, doing sketch, in every evening and weekend I can get. And then when the time came to finally flip, I flipped. And then I just, like, I spent probably about six, seven months just not working and being like, I'll find, you know, the gig. And luckily the gig actually came, which I feel like never happens. Um, I was really lucky that I, I came into my current job because I did a friend's show in LA and the producer and the show creator happened to be in the audience and DM me on Twitter the next day asking for like writing samples. Um, and that's how, that's how I sort of made my way slowly to writing for television Every sentence that you say is like requires unpacking, <laughs> which I'm so sorry about because I feel like I wish we could no, just no, no. like, I feel like I'm keep. Too much, yeah. No, no, you're not talking too much. I just feel like I wish we could keep going forward, but I feel like I have to keep going back because you said something in the middle. <laughs> you know, many folks that listen to this particular podcast aren't like the comedy nerd podcast listener. Yeah. So I wanted to revisit something you said because um, you said RIP. UCB in New York. And of course, mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. But, and also when you say that you trained at UCB or, or that you were on a house team at UCB, yeah. that is also something that I know what you're talking about. But again, this is like this queer listenership that like might not know what we're talking about. And I think it's a pretty interesting thing, especially because, well, let me ask you a question right before getting into this. So, yeah. so as a kid, you know, growing up um, with this experience of, like, I'm almost imagining that if you were growing up on a reservation, but you were far from a city, that mm-hmm. one thing that would be true is, like, potentially more difficult later to to move into a culture that was off-res. But another mm-hmm. thing that's true is that you might not, I don't know if this is you might not feel, like, um, marginalized the same way. Mm-hmm. Or at least your awareness of marginalization wouldn't be from like necessarily people yeah. yelling shit at you if everybody around you looks the same. But I don't know what that's like if you're close to a major city. Like when you were a, a kid mm-hmm. growing up, were you aware of a difference in you? Yeah. Uh, to be fair, I feel like the things that shaped me to going to the city, going to New York, uh, going into entertainment, all that wasn't because I was marginalized from outside the community. I feel like it's because I'm marginalized a little bit more within the community. Very interesting. Being, being um, clearly gay at a younger age uh, did not help, of course. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I, from an early age, I was very much that whole cliche of like, I want to get out of this small town. Uh, and now I'm reaching the age where I'm like, I want to go back. Uh, <laughs> it's as we said earlier, very complicated. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. So, okay. Well, then therein lies your future comedy career. If you felt <laughs> marginalized by the people around you where you grew up, stand up and the rest of comedy is waiting for you later in life. Yeah. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. 
It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! So then, you know, the UCB Upright Citizens Brigade Mm -hmm. um, recently made the decision. And I'm in L.A., so I'm like, not as you might be more on the ground. So correct Mm -hmm. me if anything I'm saying is wrong. They made the decision to, like, close their sort of uh, central hub, original type area. Because it's the one that was in Hell's Kitchen, which wasn't their original space in no. Chelsea, but but has been like the hub in New York of this brand that was started, you know, Amy Poehler was a founding member. They had a sketch show on Comedy Central and then eventually created a training center in New York, a training center in LA. And for a while, it was sort of the only way that you could get into comedy was through uh, the UCB. And, um, and then their decision to close their main theater based on like, lack of funds due to coronavirus Mm -hmm. is also indicative of like a larger shift that I think we're all going through right now in the comedy world. Mm -hmm. Maybe where training centers are also a little less important because the internet exists in a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's just a very long, that's when you're like RIP, (laughs) I just want to like unpack some of that. But, but also when you were, you know, you said 2014 and you're talking about going there. I just, I know all of my friends who are people of color have spoken to me about their experience in, because your background is in improv. Yes? Uh, it started in improv. Yes. And then I moved like, into sketch and moved yeah. into character. I basically touched yeah. every comedy aspect point you could. So, you know, every every person that I know that, and and I will say just as a queer person, I actually left mm-hmm. improv because I, I felt like, hmm. I don't want to yes and the scenes that I'm in and I would like to do stand-up instead. And so that was, you know, foundational to my switch and becoming a stand-up. I'm curious as to what your experience was like going through the UCB. Yeah, it was very much the same, to be honest. Um, It was... It was always a place where, like, despite finding the lanes I could try to find to fit in, I met wonderful people there. Um, The POC group there is phenomenal. The LGBT group there is phenomenal. Um, There was just never an aspect of me fully fitting in there. It Mm -hmm. felt weirdly like high school. Um, It got just very clicky, very quick. And it was... It was complicated. And I was sort of in the same place with improv too, where I, was, I just got sort of tired of improv because I was tired of like sort of being the token or like having to explain things and scenes and say like, hey, that's not cool. Hey, this is cool. And be like, a question about why I'm allowed to say why things are cool or not. Mm. Um, yeah. So I sort of am in the same boat where I got, I got, just got tired of it and I shifted out and I moved more into stand up and character, more solo stuff where I can just say what I wanted to say. Yeah. And and I should also clarify that I actually didn't go through, 
I never did improv at, at the UCB, although I did have a stand-up show that ran there for six years. And I always felt, you know, really comfortable in that space. Like, it's like a home space. <laughs> it was a home space for me here. But I think that just that, the whole, when comedy was you need to do improv at, like I had trained <laughs> at Second City, like at one of these schools to to get in. It was just my my feelings as a as a queer person were like, I just, I felt like I'm like, wait, the whole reason I'm interested in this is because like, I want to take the power back on stage and I feel like I'm being marginalized in the thing mm-hmm. that my marginalization like <laughs> caused me to want, you know, like I want people to accept and celebrate me and clap for me. And, you know, like, and, and now the same, like I'm being re-traumatized on stage. Yeah. And I just, I know that people have had a positive experience with this, but I just didn't like improv just wasn't my place for that reason. Um, I, I hear you. And literally same as Ekbo and, I was lucky enough to meet wonderful people when I was, because the house team I was on was the character's welcome team, which you just do character monologues. You're literally by yourself on stage. Um, So I was lucky to make like a small group within that group, at least, to kind of better my voice. But then I got lost in the whole like, you got to make it like a traditional herald. You have to jump up the beat and stuff like that. And there's just so many layers of what makes quote unquote good UCB comedy that I just really got lost in the weeds with and I sort mm. of lost my voice for a little while and I just wasn't making as good of work as I could have been doing. Um, yeah, so that, and I probably ended that in 2000, spring 2019. So not super long ago, maybe like a year ago. That is very recent, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Again, time. Who knows what time know, is anymore? I know, I know. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I mean, when you had this whole other sort of day job career, were mm-hmm. you thinking that, was it like, a, I'll see which one of these pans out? I mean, I know you said you were doing comedy the whole time. Was there a yeah. world where comedy becomes the weekend activity and art director is the is the career? Or was it always like, I'm looking to trans transition comedy into the career. It sort of started in college, essentially, where my mom was like, she knew I was very into acting. I was very into uh, performing in one way or another. My mom, my dad were both very much like, that's awesome. Like, what's a plan B? I was like, mm. okay. It's like, they're like, keep doing that, but like, have a plan B. So I was right. like, okay, what's my, what's my plan B? And then I went through college, went through college again, um, then slowly worked my way up this corporate fashion world also because it was really good security. It was just so nice to get paid. It was so nice to pay my rent. It was so nice to, again, security isn't something you realize how nice it is until like you have it like that. And I held on to it a lot longer than I feel like I should have. But I mean, right before maybe like last year was the point where I was like, okay, I've been doing this for maybe like six years now. Maybe it's time to put things one way. So I decided to quit my job. I saved up my rent for as long, saved up enough money as I could for like maybe like a year's rent, fingers crossed. I was trying to see what I could stretch out. And I left my job and I just sort of like hit the ground trying to do more comedy stuff. And that's sort of been the path. 
Yeah. Hold on to it long. I mean, I don't know. I'm just a stranger, but it sounds like you did a fucking great job. I, I don't know. I, What's the better version of that that you like go into further debt? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> it just is this is all really complicated stuff because to be an artist, you have like something is going on that is affording you the opportunity to the, mm-hmm. the privilege to be an artist like either you're supporting yourself through another um you know job or series of jobs or whatever it is and uh i don't know i mean i like think about what you're saying that that you held on too long and but i also like i am very conflicted with you because i'm like i if i didn't stand that long i wouldn't have these experiences and i wouldn't be where i literally am today which i'm fairly like happy with and excited about yeah exactly Um, well right and also i mean i guess i just you know it's like you have to be comfortable enough with like would you have been fine just being like just dirt bagging around and making no money and sleeping in like a shitty apartment at the very end of a train line like would you have been okay with that I because that's really like, the alternative, you know. It's not like you yeah. would have made it faster or whatever. It's like it's like you might have been less stressed out or less busy or like your your focus would have maybe been more on comedy. Yeah, but um, I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, I don't know. I just think I'm constantly like what I do like about it is like I built up my confidence in this outside world, and I'm trying to build up my confidence a little bit more in this comedy world which uh, I sort of built I put my uh, confidence bank into this corporate structure and then when I finally left it I was like oh god I gotta start all over again (laughs) (laughs) well I mean shit I hate to tell you like that that thing I feel like that thing happens again and again yeah like I don't know whenever I think about Maybe this is true for every field. I don't know. I know Mm -hmm. it's true for mine. You know, I'm like a small business owner. Sometimes things are going amazing. Sometimes I'm making a television show starring me. Then that entire streaming service is canceled, you know? And it just is like the ups and downs are are pretty, um, they're as unpredictable as they are unstoppable you know it's like Mm -hmm. it's like you Mm -hmm. don't know when they're going to happen but they are going to happen so yeah i Mm -hmm. I hear you that it's like really challenging always to rebuild and some of that might i wonder if that will come around to help you later in as your career continues to progress like i always think about those comics or like or anybody who has like immediate mm -hmm. success when they're 24 and like shit is building 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 yeah and and then i think about like there's going to be a day when you're like not so cute (laughs) Because, you know, we all turn whatever age uh, that Hollywood decides something, you know. And if you've just been having only successes, Mm -hmm. that shit is going to be really fucking tough. I literally, like, am so happy that I didn't get any sort of crazy success when I was, like, 19 or something. Because I remember when I started a job once, I, like, just out of the whim Googled my name and my live journal from high school came up. (laughs) And I was like, cool, let's see what this is. 
what an absolute like garbage thought process. What was like, in there? Rant nonsense. <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> absolute just like craziness. Um dare I say like a Marion Cotillard level of like 9-11 truthing. It had oh. everything. Oh, wow. That's not what I that's not what I expected. Um <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I try to bring up Marion Cotillard's and I know living truth or at least once a day. Yeah, I mean, we're on this. Uh, can I can I change topics real quick and just ask you where <laughs> on this uh, where on this flat Earth you met your uh, fiance? Um, <laughs> did you see how I got a little? You guys, Wait, it's pretty good. It. It's pretty yeah, good. Yeah. Um, we met on OKCupid.com. Uh, six years ago. The uh, actual site, not the app. You went on OKCupid.com. The actual site, because with the website. You had to write letters. What? I don't know people. anything about this. Everything that you're talking about is an exciting new <laughs> adventure for me. I, this is weird. I don't, this is actually, this makes me a weirdo. This is a true thing. I have never been on a single online date or a single app in my life. I don't know anything about it. I just missed it. Like it just didn't ever um, happen for me. Who knows? The future is whatever <laughs> it is, but it's uh, so. I don't know what letters you're talking about. Give me, lay, lay it on me. Yeah, lay it on you. Basically, I missed the app bubble. I uh-huh. was right before the app bubble when it was very much like plentyoffish.com, okcupid.com. Right. Um, mynativespace.com, a Native American subset version someone tried to make. Um, Is it? Was it really called My Native Space? I think it Is was. Is that a real I thing? It, that is so I, great. <laughs> I had it for 24 hours. I deleted it because the first comment I got was like, this random old dude put a like a blingy gif that just said brown sugar on oh, my wall. Oh, <laughs> no. So I was like, you know what? I, I gave it a try. <laughs> 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 but with uh, OkCupid at the time, it was just, uh, you, you sent messages and I feel like at the time you had to send like prose and you had to send like la da 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 like three paragraph minimums, uh, cute sign out, so and so, where it's like there was no swiping involved, I'm trying to say. Right. Um, right. Yes. I miss the swiping bubble. This is a very <laughs> good reminder because things have moved so quickly that so quickly. it is really easy to forget that. Yeah, that's, yes, that is what, I mean, well, first, before that, online dating was, like, Craigslist personals, but then it mm-hmm. moved into the, like, you know, um, oh, what is, like, the really shitty Christian one? Whatever that Christian was. Christian Mingle? No, but um, <laughs> Match. Is it wasn't Match originally only for, like, oh. it was only, I think originally Match, you could only do be on... If you're heterosexual. I do remember being heterosexual because I looked in the match, I think, when I started looking at OkCupid, and that just yes. wasn't an option. Exactly. And I think now, match, I th- I think this is true, but it's like, it's like, sorry, match, you missed it, because it's like, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I remember a lot of friends were doing the OkCupid thing when it was about, like, a lot of, yeah, missives back and forth, but then, like, to texting or whatever, which then, you know, turned into, like, sexting which then just turned into like actually here's like a dick you know um and (laughs) and it is pretty it's all pretty fucking visual these days i i what did you what did you like about your fiance when you were writing missives back and forth um oh god this is so hard and so uh (laughs) uh the spot i should know this stuff 
No, he, I was interested. He was interesting. Um, he's like in the other room looking at me, I think. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> if he finds out you think he's interesting, that will really <laughs> suck for you because you got to keep that inside and don't you ever tell him. <laughs> he, he just hit all the boxes. He, he was also just like too, like a, a great person. I was like, okay, you've, you've traveled, you uh, have a job, you have like all these like, you hit all the stereotypical things, and then you see the interesting things a part of that. Um, so we went on a date, yeah, back in 2014. And we are now getting married. How did you, had you had you dated a bunch of folks before then? Where were you in your sort of, like, dating career when you yeah. had your fiancé? I was very much, um, at that point, leaving, trying to not date i guess because i feel like i was dating for like three years of just like going through the apps going through dates going through like a lot of first dates i got really good with um saying the whole like oh i had a great time but that's it and i was like was always too scared to do that like i'm just dating someone for one time but um the fact that i got fairly good at like saying that i was like okay something wrong with me like what's going on um so i dated it was nothing but dating before that. Yeah. I'm actually like, I'm, I feel stunned <laughs> because I, that's how, that is like, a, that's beautiful. I'd like to learn that skill, but like, even just for friendship, uh, the it's skill not. of like, it's the skill of like, it's not you, you know, it's like, I'm sure there's somebody for you. It's not me. Good luck with the rest of your life. Like that. Yeah, just, pizza was that, great. that sounds, that sounds very freeing. It was liberating. It was phenomenal. Um, I highly recommend. But <laughs> breaking <laughs> breaking up with friends though is um, I have not mastered that. I, oh that's, my god! That terrifies me. Me, 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 me. When did you have you had to do it recently? I here's the thing. I recently opened up my Facebook again for the first time in like three years because um, I was very like get out of Facebook. And then just for like work things and networking things, I had to turn it back on. And when I went back on, I just saw like, like so many messages from people. I was like, oh yeah, you from that class in like <laughs> that. And I'm like, why are you talking to me? I have mm-hmm. no connection with you anymore. Um, I don't know. And then I'm like, I'm just putting the pandemic lens on everything where I'm just like, I'm not saying anything to anyone just yet. Let's just like, Sit it out. Yeah, that's very fair. I, I had an experience. Um, this must have been within the last six months where, like, I just actually needed to tell somebody directly. Like, I really, you know, I I like you and, like, I want to be part of a group with you. But, like, our mm-hmm. interpersonal friendship is it's just not going to happen because, like, th- this person kept... Um, just sort of crossing boundaries and it, it was making me uncomfortable. Mm. Um, but I liked, they weren't like, they weren't like sexy boundaries. Otherwise like wouldn't even yeah. have said that they were just like, Oh, I don't want to talk about these particular things with you in this sort of casual way at this time. Like it just doesn't work for me. Maybe somebody else would be fine with this. Um, but I had to like really build myself up. A, and then I realized that I needed to say something. Like I actually had to like yeah. have a conversation with somebody uh, which was wild and also very empowering. And this person was super awesome about it. And then, you know, has been kind to me since, but it is, mm-hmm. that is a, uh, 
test of maturity on both ends to be yes. like, can we have this conversation? I just don't think this is going to work. But like, we're part of this whole big group and I hope that we can have that. Absolutely. And it's like, you're at that point too, where you're like, I don't need to have that conversation because everyone's an adult now. Everyone's over the age of 30. Like everyone should just get the thing, but there are so many people that do not. Yes. And it's obscene that when you realize that the do not people are kind of the majority. Well, also like just for me as, you know, okay, so am I just going to like dodge somebody's phone calls and emails or am I going to like say, I don't mm-hmm. think that I want to have a phone calls relationship with you. Like, just because that's like not going to work for me, which felt like, oh, I think this is actually the the kinder one to do. But was I sweaty? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sweating right now for something to happen in your past. So sweaty. If that means anything. <laughs> so sweaty. All right. Um, when, you were, when you were dating before that, well, so yeah. talk to me about like your... You said when you were a kid, you did you know what was going on? You said other people seemed to treat you, yeah, identifying I, your queerness from an early age. Did you know? Very, I did not. To be completely honest, I I remember being like twelve, thirteen, and being picked on for it. I also just had like a very high voice, like the stereotypical middle school bully, gay kid things, um, and I just thought that's what that was. And I didn't think of it as anything sexual. And I don't think I really came into my sexuality until I was maybe like 17, 18. Like, so there was like a four or five year window of just being like, I'm just being picked on for reasons to be picked on. Um, so I came in late. I remember my <laughs> my mom came in one time and was like, hey, I need to ask you a question. And I was like, uh, here we go. Um, she's like, are you gay? And I was like, well... I don't really, like, identify just yet. And the look on her face was very much like, no, like, that was worse than, like, not knowing. Oh, wow. Uh, But no, it was very, my parents, by the way, are very supportive, very loving, and they're very, like, my mother, I could tell, knew when I I was young that I was going to be a gay man. And she made sure that I knew gay adults. Like, she very much, like, had uh, co-workers who were gay, so we'd all go out to get together. And it was only wow. when I was an adult, I was like, oh, I see what you were doing. Wow. And, like, I respect that so much. Um, I got really lucky in that department. And I'm yeah, very that's pretty sweet. Them. That's a pretty... <laughs> that's... Oh, yeah. I mean, if your mom needs me to meet any lesbians, like, I'm, I'm available. <laughs> like, that's... Like, that's a... I love this. I love this mentorship program. Um... <laughs> I would imagine she would, she'd be happy. <laughs> I don't. I don't know the answer to. Uh, I don't know the answer to this. So, so wait. What? I think maybe you said this early. Mm-hmm. What? What word do you, do you use? Like, do you use indigenous? Do you use the word native? What do you? What is the word that you use? Yeah, it changes literally for everyone. Like depending on where you're located and what you prefer. Like I have parents who prefer Indian, and I have. Uh, I know people who prefer. Um, First Nations, but I just tend to say, I use Native. I just say Native, Native American. Um, And with me being in the States more, I've been saying tribes a lot more. But in Canada, you say First Nations Mm -hmm. a lot more. My sister totally bragged on me when I was at home once. I was like, oh, yeah, the tribe. She's like, who says tribe? And I was like, okay, relax. Well, also, (laughs) unfortunately, people going to see Cleveland baseball games. But that's that's neither here nor there. Um, Neither here nor there. 
Yeah. Oof. Um, <laughs> so that is the, that is the word I use. Um, so when you're, the, oh, sorry. Go, what were you going to say? Oh, I, I was just say also that there is queer culture within indigenous culture as well. Um, but I am not a scholar in any way. But there is like a lot of two spirit identity. If anyone knows anything about two spirit, um, mm-hmm. highly suggest looking it up for Geo Neptune has a great video on inquiry uh, explaining what two-spirit is with indigenous cultures. Um, and I'm enjoying this resurgence of non-gender, non-traditional, quote-unquote, traditional binary roles of gender that are coming back within Native nations and Native cultures. Um, it's really exciting to see. That's right. And, I, and even <laughs> just, you know, phrasing it like that coming back because that really is also how the rest of that's, that's how all people could, could term mm-hmm. it. It's just that most people are not terming it yeah. <laughs> coming back, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So that's really good. That's just a really, that's just really good phrasing. But I, I was going to ask if, you know, I have no idea, like, so you're, you know, you're feeling like an oddball in, mm-hmm. you know, your culture growing up and then, mm-hmm moving into queer culture and then specifically queer Mm -hmm. culture in New York city. Um, I, Hey, I have been to, uh, I have been to, (laughs) I have been to pride in, um, NYC, you know, I, I feel Mm -hmm. like I have a little bit of a handle on, um, what is going on for gay folks there. And, um, Uh I'm not sure, you know, I would, I guess I would ask like, where do you, is that a culture that you feel like you have space in and have had space in? Not really, to be honest. Um, it's just strange. I was lucky growing up that I did have an actual, like, apart from the bad stuff, I did have a really great group of friends and, but they predominantly were heterosexual. Um, and then the groups I just tended to hang out with more were the heterosexual groups, be in college, et cetera. And then my friend group, I just went to a school that happened to have mostly, surprisingly, all the straight people at a Parsons, which... At all Parsons? Because I was in the one program <laughs> that was this, like, all these, like, dudes that wanted to make, like, cool What is that, basketball shirts? What, is that? <laughs> what are they deciding? What are those straight dudes designing at Parsons? God, um... I love Parsons so much because when I went to orientation, the dean was like, hey, we don't have a sports team, but if we did, their jerseys would be fabulous. <laughs> and I was like, this is my church. Wait, what is like, the program you were actually in? You said, I think I spoke over you to say to make my basketball shorts <laughs> joke, which was very funny. But what was that? Uh, it was communication design um, and production design. It just happened to be a lot of just where all the straight dudes were. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's not, and um, I will say I did have a very most of my queer experiences, like coming of age queer experiences, were actually in Montreal when I went to school there. Um, I joined the LGBTQ club at the Dawson College where I went, and it was sort of my first time trying to make like a gay crew. But again, I was so isolated; like I didn't. There's not. There wasn't a gay community within my reservation. Um, so <laughs> this is a very embarrassing tale, but I. Just didn't. I assumed I knew what gay people looked like when I was seventeen. Like they just looked a certain way. Um, so when I started going to my school, Dawson, I was like, "This school rocks, man! This school, everyone is like 
there's so many gay people. This is great. And then my friend was like, wait, what gay people? I was like, the ones in the atrium. She's like, those are guidos. <laughs> and I was like, no, they're not. Like, I've seen rhinestones. I've seen this. And I'm like, I have my space. I could prove you're wrong. Um, I had a very narrow window. Are, what are guidos? Italians? There were, there yeah, was just the like Italian, Italian dudes that like gel. And I was like, I guess gel is gay. That's no honestly, gay just to say, that is actually my culture. <laughs> so like, I feel yeah. like if you, pa- if you, let's say you, pa- like I walk past, you go, look at this gay person. But then someone goes, oh, that's a Guido, but it's me. Then you're both right. <laughs> you know, high five over my body. We're making a rainbow. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I was a little mad that I could have just dressed like that the whole time. Yeah. Um, it's cool. Huh? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess I was asking the the specifically like the NYC mm-hmm. stuff. So, so my girlfriend Katie is mm-hmm. she just moved to LA after ten years in New York, and like all of her best friends are uh, not all of her best friends. Many of her close friends are gay men, and mm-hmm. because of comedy, um, where I think queer people in general are un- rep- underrepresented, but yeah. then like. Gay men are super underrepresented. Um, and then the other, the other things that I have in my life, I have like, I know a shit ton of people that are in the like gender fuckage space. You know, I know mm-hmm. like a zillion non-binary folks. I know like everybody who uses they pronouns. I know like also every lesbian. You know what I mean? I just feel like I have yeah. like yeah. a real handle on like this side of things. But like what what gay men are doing, I I, it's like, I have no concept at all until knowing Katie and like some of, you know, her friends who are like Mm -hmm. doing the full, some of them, not all of them, like the full Fire Island experience and everything. And, you know, she moved to LA from, from Hell's Kitchen. So like when I used to walk around that neighborhood, when I would visit her, it was like, oh, right. Like this is still what's happening because that's like (laughs) not what's happening in my, uh, portion of the queer universe like in my portion of the queer universe i literally think i really literally feel like everybody is wearing a dress but also has a beard like that's like literally everybody i know and then to walk through hell's kitchen it's like no we're still doing muscles like we're still doing muscles and like a crew cut and i'm like you are you know so i think that's vintage yeah (laughs) you know when i was asking about like whether you find yourself having a place in queer community i just yeah didn't know where you you might fit at all looking at say, folks around you yeah within the queer community i was able to build a pretty good community through the comedy scene hmm. uh through many people at ucb uh we'd have you know drinks every now and then there'd be a group organization thing then there'd be like pride workshops and over the like four or five years there i was able to build a nice network of what i will say is like my first official like gay crew gay core friends and it was uh it was great it was great i will say though i did go to fire island and once and i really didn't like it i it just not for it it was beautiful it was my god you live in a world with no cars and it's just like decks beautiful sunsets it's it's great um but I was just very much like the only brown person, yeah, in a predominantly white, wealthy group. Even just and, the fact that you have long hair, like even yeah. just that, I'm you know like I mean I don't need to tell you, but like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it 
it, everyone prescribed sort of to a certain look, which is fine. And uh, yeah, it was cool. I saw uh, my first drag show though there, which was like long delayed. Have you seen a drag show again since then? I'm looking, your no. eyeballs are going <laughs> off the screen and I know what that means. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Um, yeah. It's okay. But, I am religious drag race now. It's Friday. It's going to be You're, good some, episodes tonight. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so in, in this situation like that, if it's, mm-hmm. you know, just like uh, there's the sea and then the sea of white dudes. Um, mm-hmm. What, what do you, how do you feel in a situation like that? It's, I just, I didn't like specifically with Fire Island. Like I did not grow up with wealth, like the way this is. And, Working in fashion, working in New York, working in these places, I just had to learn the way to talk a little bit better. Mm. And um, it just, it always made me uncomfortable. I think it was more the wealth than the race. I don't know. Um, and it was sort of me just constantly reminding myself to like, <laughs> stand up a little straighter. These weird like uh, upbringings that I, I'm not sure if it's through pop culture or through um, all the complicatedness that is growing up where I grew up. Um, but I always just had this like other thing on at all time. Like I never was able to uh, kind of relax in that space. Um, well, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, obvious. Uh, for what it's worth, not <laughs> being able to relax when surrounded by massive amounts of wealth is probably a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) That probably speaks well of you. (laughs) Am I going to sell out the first chance I get? You better believe it. I can't wait to come to your house. It's going to be beautiful. (laughs) You can wait. Yeah. TV job, bunch of rental cars on back. (laughs) It'll be a Guido themed party. I can't wait to come to that. I love hair gel. You have been a delight. And before I send you back into the rest of your day, um, I wanted to ask you to shout out a queero, which is a person, place, or thing that makes you feel like you can be who you are today. I will say um, it's et cetera. It's the queer club at my old college, Dawson College. I have no idea if it's still around, but it was the first space that I truly felt like I can say things out loud that I couldn't say out loud before. And I would have soft spot my heart for them. Um, I hope that the school still has a queer club because it was phenomenal. Oh, well, what's up, et cetera? Adorable. It's called et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ty, it was so nice to meet you via this computer. And I hope I see you uh, in, the, in the real world sometime soon. Yes, thank you. This has been such a good time. And so happy to meet you. So happy to meet you. This was so good. Yeah, it was my pleasure. It really was my pleasure. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Ty. All right. Yeah. Bye. Bye.